Hello friends, family, regular and new listeners. Welcome, welcome. You're listening to This Is Fine, a podcast that centers ideas, issues and information related to different areas of mental health from traumas to self-improvement and I, you're currently exhausted and um, triggered <laughs> host Ivor unpacked insights, lessons and life experiences that may provide some direction as you navigate your own life. So, how often do you try something different? This question struck me this week specifically because like, as you may already have like deduced that I'm very much the person that preaches and swears by habit. And even after saying that sentence, I want to dive into my extensive sounding yet limited knowledge of habits, how they're formed and, and how, you know, how to make them work for you, all that kind of stuff. And habits really are a way to Beyonce, to Beyonce-fy your life. And just like how Beyonce doesn't have like one single song of her, her owns that, that, that sounds like alike, we need to try something different. And this is where I'm going to start sounding or probably again sound like a broken record. But you know, like the reason why the record's broken, it's because it's been played over and over and over again, hoping someone will listen. So... This thing of trying something different, something new is, you know, it's daunting. But where I want to tie it into mental health is that in the attempt to try something off the beaten path, you know, down the yellow brick road, um, that's kind of also for some people a starting point or a source of anxiety, you know, and anxiety is something that I wasn't really familiar with in my 20s. But recently, um, especially as I've been doing the show, things have started to come out of the woodwork. And I started to understand anxiety a lot better. And for me, it's best described as a, a warm sensation. Now, not the kind of comforting warmth of a loved one's voice and touch but more like the heat of having your face too close to the fire, you know, and, 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 and it's concentrated in a specific area. A sensation that is, you know, by its nature, by, by emotions, by its nature, are things that are intangible, invisible, and yet they feel like it's right there. It feels like you can touch it. And it, anxiety seems to, that, that warmth seems to crush the air out of your lungs and speeds up your heart rate and gets you into panic mode. Um, I had to remind myself of this because I tend to say it's no big deal. You know, I had to remind myself about trying something new and anxiety because even though I am well-versed or um, well-experienced um, in, in trying something new, I'm not very experienced in handling anxiety so I understand like how the physical responses of your body the physiological responses of your body when you try something new is that anxiety or excitement manifests the same way so physiologically your body has the same 
reactions or physiological like responses when you are in a moment that causes um, ex- uh, excitement or anxiety. So a good trick, by the way, is then when you understand that that's what happens in your body. So if you're in a situation and you feel anxiety, take hold of your mind and, and the physical response that it brings yourself to and you start freaking out and you start experiencing anxiety, you can tell yourself, ah, you're just excited. Now, this is only like in reference to something new. Um, and I'm not talking as if this is some kind of blanket method that would help you on the more debilitating scale of anxiety like when you are about to start roller skating or you start a new job or you approach someone um, that you're romantically or sexually interested in telling yourself prior to the approach or prior to or when you start feeling anxiety telling yourself you're excited is a very good way to stave off the doubts and the and the nerves that it brings and it's also a good way to build a little bit of confidence. But it's very important, I think, to distinguish the situations where you can actually trick your mind into converting anxiety to excitement and moments where you can't. And so even though I have that experience and understanding of converting your anxiety into excitement, it doesn't always work. So recently, um, I had a very heated discussion with a racist, a man with ideas that are very QAnon adjacent, just, I don't know, one or two conspiracy websites away from bullshit. And I've been tolerating his microaggressions in the name of giving someone the benefit of the doubt and to try and see their intent instead of what comes out their mouths. But these microaggressions have been present for, I don't know, the better part of a year or bordering on two years. And it has become unbearable. And when it came to a point where he was saying that I am engaging in reverse racism, it was absolutely, it. I don't know, it, something broke <laughs> in me. So like I said, for a year or so of microaggressions that have started working on on an anxious feeling that that heat that compresses your your heart, your lungs, that makes you feel unsafe, you know, and it's compounded with life in general as a mixed race person. Um, And on this specific day, nearly every word that left this person's mouth were racist ideals and microaggressions to where I couldn't even begin to explain or help him understand that, okay, this isn't an opinion, you're wrong. Um, Because every point he made was more racist and, and offensive than the last, and it drove me to to what I re- what I later realized is something that happens a lot is depersonalization. So that anxiety that was gripping at my lungs and every word of his stabbing and 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 and, and unraveling trauma for me, you know, that I've experienced from people with similar beliefs that have thought, you know, that even though I had 
the heated discussion, um, I don't remember his face, the reactions, um, the people around me. I don't remember exactly what they did. I don't remember his words verbatim. I remember some of what I said. I remember flashes of the argument. And then I remember myself closing the door because clearly I had left the room in a huff. And depersonalization is something that I experienced in that moment. And a depersonalization is, um, it can consist of like a detachment with, within yourself and, and a detachment regarding your mind or your body and, and feeling yourself as a detached observer of oneself. I hope that makes sense. So the subject, the person experiencing a depersonalization feels that they have, you know, changed and, and that the world has become vague or dreamlike or, or less real, lacking in significance, you know, or being outside reality, looking in. And that's kind of what that moment felt like, you know, though the degrees of, 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 of depersonalization can happen to anyone who is subject to um, temporary anxiety or stress. Chronic depersonalization is more related to people who have experienced like severe trauma or prolonged stress and anxiety. And obviously, I have experienced severe trauma in my life, but then also the consistent microaggressions that bring up, up stress and anxiety every single day. And that causes, you know, that can lead to other mental issues that, that come. So the effect of essentially colonization and racism run so deep and so far that my experience is a 0.1% of people that have had worse experiences. So that was just an example um, to help you see how anxiety, you know, exists like our lives on a massive spectrum where I can experience anxiety before asking someone out on a date to where I can experience anxiety where it feels like I am being attacked. This is, you know, so this this experience with this racist person isn't something where I can just say, oh, that's me excited. I'm not excited about it at all. Um, so if you do experience depersonalization, if that, if my explanation and, you know, my story of, of the microaggressions has linked within something of your own life where you also have a chronic level of stress that's coming from an outside factor that it's hard for you to control or to manage on a mental health level. Um, I would say that, that, that it could lead to depersonalization on a chronic level and affect your life in a severe level. Because it's a it's a serious cognitive disassociation syndrome that would need professional diagnosis or treatment. But, you know, I do believe that, you know, you can arm yourself with knowledge and take charge of your mental health as much as you can. So understanding other people's experiences helps you possibly understand your own. And I think that this act itself, that act of realizing that you can take charge of your mental health is also part of mental health, just like trying something new is. So let me circle back to trying something new after that kind of traumatic, sad story. Let me circle back to something um, about trying something new. And that I want to say that 
it's also a great practice for staying in the moment. You know, throughout this past podcast, I have been, I feel very like hyper-focused, very weighted on the world of habits and carving out your life path and, and giving advice and ideas centering around designing your life, you know, and the consciousness effort that, that it requires. That I've also neglected the other and also very important um, side of just enjoying the fucking moment. You know, it's like so much could be said for how peaceful it is when you learn to just be, when you learn to just be there. So these are also the moments, I think, um, why many people don't really just sit and enjoy the moment is because those moments are often connected, very likely to be connected with boredom and being boring. And I've spoken about boredom a few times, you know, and I really, this is a good indicator that I should craft an episode about boredom, you know, do a deep dive into boredom, how it manifests in your body, mind, for instance, and maybe you'll share the same feelings. Um, But for now, I'll share with you the wisdom of an English painter. Her name is Bridget Riley. She says, boredom is a tremendous indicator. Your energy goes. It caves in on you. You can't do anything. That's very frightening. But you must listen because you are being told that whatever it is you are doing is not quite right. It may only need a small adjustment or it may need more drastic treatment. Let me read that, you know, and comment as it, you know, for for us to dissect it a little bit. Boredom is a tremendous indicator. Now, that first part is where you can go or where I go, ah, you know, I'm bored. What is that indicative of? Then she continues. Your energy goes. It caves in on you. You can't do anything. Now, we've all felt that before, right? You're engaged in a task and you've started a new project or or you're just doing your job and your energy for whatever reason just you just can't focus. You just it just caves in on you. You can't do anything. So let's continue. She says your energy goes, it caves in on you. You can't do anything. That's very frightening, but you must listen because you are being told that whatever it is you are doing is not quite right. It may only need a small adjustment or it may need more drastic treatment. You know, I feel like the rest doesn't need explanation, but what stands out for me is the part of that's very frightening. And that's very accurate. I, I just I just connect with that part too. It's frightening to be bored because when it's frightening that's when we get into that mode of 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 fight or flight right and so you try and fight the boredom away by doing something else um you know and and some people choose fight i however choose flight and that flight private honey first class <laughs> okay um it's it's frightening boredom can be frightening but it would be beneficial for you that when you're in that feeling of oh this is you know boring sometimes you don't even know that it's boredom so i guess we'd need to find a way for you to identify oh shit i'm bored right now um but i feel like boredom also does bring with it a low 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 grade of anxiety you know because 
I think that's that's the feeling. That's the voice of 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 your being told that whatever you're doing isn't quite right. So this is where you can decide to take action. You know, if you choose to do take action at all. Okay, so I just realized that boredom and patience are two testicles on the same man. So by practicing how to be bored, you can also teach yourself how to be patient. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> now, um, if you're a man and you take a shower today, and I hope you do more than once a day, um, I bet you know, you'll think of your testicles as boredom and patience. <laughs> and on that note, um, I will leave you. And to be honest, there is still some anxiety floating around my solar plexus because I know I have to face in some way, see or face a man that has outed himself as a racist. Anyway, um, if you've learned something new, show me love and give me five star review on Apple podcast or anywhere where you listen to your podcast. Why? Because in this way, you're upping the odds of someone listening to an episode of mine that may actually need it, that that may learn something insightful about themselves or someone else, um, and maybe point them into the direction of seeking a mental health um, professional to help them on, I don't know, to navigate their lives. So please drink your water, get your sleep alone or after healthy and consensual penetration and make someone smile tomorrow. Bye-bye.